Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and it's good to be back with you folks after we took a week off. Uh, we'll be right back into the swing of things moving forward. Um, almost like you'd call it a start of a brand new season here. Um, so we do have plenty to talk about on this week's episode, and uh, we're going to get right on into the good stuff. Uh, we were able to make it up to the Citrus County Speedway to cover the fifth and final Rick Sermons Memorial that was held over there. Uh, the previous four events had been held over at uh, Showtime Speedway, um, but this one was over at Citrus County Speedway, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we were able to make the trip out there. So we'll be covering all of that. There's definitely some wild action in that race, as expected. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the clash that's coming up here, uh, the new NASCAR race. Testing is all complete on the next-gen car or the current-gen car, uh, whatever gen car NASCAR's on now. And um, I, I'm not going to lie, I've had my my questions, my concerns about this car, and there's some things I like, some things I don't. Uh, but I'm going to give you reasons why I'm optimistic about this NASCAR season. I know, you know, the main focus on this show is going to be uh, the, the regional short track racing that everybody uh, who follows this podcast is into. But I, I feel like whether people admit it or not, we, we still pay attention to what's going on in NASCAR. And I think this is a very important NASCAR season. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. We're not going to hark on it for for a long time, but at the end of, after the, the sermons recap, we'll, we'll talk a little NASCAR and uh, what to look forward to with the clash right around the corner uh, with Daytona, not that far away. So we'll, we'll hit on that. I'll give you my thoughts on that and why I think we should give it a chance. Um, so again, uh, I want to thank um, Austin Griffiths, who's been on the show before. I want to thank him in the Citrus County Speedway uh, for having us out to the event. Uh, it was kind of fun to be there, you know, with the uh, the podcast coverage in mind, and uh, just go and be a race fan. I, I mentioned that a lot, you know, uh, with with my job at New Smyrna and, and occasionally at other tracks announcing. Uh, it's a whole different experience than when you can just go and be a fan. And man, I, I'm telling you, I, I love it sometimes when I can just go grab a bucket of beer, hang out, watch some great short track racing. And that's what we got to do uh, this past Saturday at the Citrus County Speedway. And yes, it was cold, bone chillingly cold. Um, but we grabbed the, we, we found the winter coats. We hope the, the rodents and the bugs didn't find them out in the shed, but, um, you know, we, we pulled those things out of the mothballs and, uh, kept ourselves plenty of warm and, uh, enjoyed the night. And, and I'll be honest with you, we'll, we'll get this out of the way. I think the weather was definitely a hindrance, not only for the fans, but, uh, for the racers as well. A little bit surprised. I, I remember when the heats were rolling out and the, the Crown Vic started coming out and, I, I turned to to my left. Actually, we had uh, Jared Zebley hanging out with us and uh, Brad Blanton, two mod mini drivers that weren't able to race the event, but they came out to support it nonetheless. Um, I, I looked at Jared and said, ah, here's what I'm here for. And uh, the, the Crown Vicks, they, they were down. Normally, the, the Citrus Speedway gets like 20 to 30 of these things. I think they only had 14 or 15, which is still good, which is still very, very good. But I was a little, a little surprised. I think the cold weather might have kept a few of the racers at home as well. Um, the crowd was okay, but... I would definitely say low for Citrus County Speedway standards. Um, they've done a great job uh, getting people in the facility for, you know, whatever event they're running. I've been there too. They're um, night of destruction type events. Um, uh, I've been to super late model races, sportsman races, and I've been to just a weekly show that, you know, I, I've been able to get out there too from time to time. And they normally have a pretty solid headcount as far as the fans go. And it was down for this event. And I don't, think it was just because, well, the Mod Minis are 
the headliner and Mod Minis can't sell tickets. I'm going to disagree with that sentiment. And, and I'm not saying that's what people were saying. I'm just, I, I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm going to approach this from, from all directions. Like I try to do, try to approach things objectively. Um, cause I, I've heard not regarding this race, but I've heard, oh, that division can't sell tickets as a marquee headliner. This division, we, we can't charge that much. So we can't run a series. I I've heard in, you know, things like that. And I honestly disagree. I think if uh, whatever division it may be, whether it's bomber cars, super late models, drag cars, you name it, if it's a big event, you can sell any event as a big event. I've been to past Rick Sermon's memorial races when they were at Showtime, and um, you know there was great car counts and a great turnout. People like to watch good racing, and just because it's a four-cylinder or just because it's not a super late model or a modified doesn't mean it's not worthy of having marquee events and that it can't sell tickets. But I honestly believe the big factor this week was the was the weather. It was cold and in, in, in Florida we're not used to that. You know, we we deal with the, you know, hundred degree heat, middle of the afternoon. Is it or isn't it going to rain? That is normally what what we deal with. So this this cold is a curveball. You know, we expect it during speed weeks, but speed weeks is it's like a whole different animal, man. By by night four, you can't feel your feet anyway. So what what does it matter? Um, so I definitely think the big factor here was the weather. It, it and it's not like there wasn't anybody there or that you know it wasn't a good turnout in the pits either. Uh, it was solid all the way around. But I, I think it could have been and it would have been better had the weather not uh, have been so cold. And we'll we'll touch on weather a little bit more uh, after after the recap. So with that said. Um, I hope, no, I don't know the Sermons family personally. I never met Rick. Uh, he was kind of before my time of, of getting to where I'm at in the sport, if that makes sense. Um, but I've always enjoyed this event. And I, like I said, I've been to a couple of them before this. So it wasn't just like, oh, this race is Citrus County and we're not racing, so we're going out there. Um, it, this is an event that I've tried to support when I can uh, from time to time. And you can ask, uh, Tim and Ted Volpius and, and some of the other guys that, yes, I've, I've been out to the ones at Showtime too. And I was happy that we were able to be out there. And, uh, you know, Margo, uh, who's on the show from time to time, my girlfriend, she, um, occasionally, uh, spots for Brad Blanton and, uh, helps the, the Volpius Motorsports team. And, um, so she wanted to go out there and support the Mod Mini guys. And, you know, I, I guess some of the mod mini guys might be frustrated with with New Smyrna right now about the the schedule and not being on speed weeks. But I, I hope they realize that uh, I, I I fully support the mod mini division. I thought the Governor's Cup race was fantastic. I, I hope that uh, we have a great regular season. And uh, who knows? Um, you know, if if the right person can pick up the phone and and you know talk talk to those in charge, maybe get you something even better for Governor's Cup this year since you were omitted uh, from the world series schedule and just so you know you weren't the only division omitted um and it wasn't just a oh screw the mod minis it was a basically copy and paste from last year add the modifieds switch a couple things around um but it wasn't a oh screw the mod minis i can promise you that so with that kind of stuff out of the way let's get to this year's edition of the rick sermons memorial again the the fifth and final scheduled um rick sermons memorial now who knows? Maybe somebody will pick up this event and, uh, you know, call it something different and they'll have a big race at Citrus or Showtime or 417 somewhere next year. Um, you know, think of the Orange Blossom 100. It was the Pedor Memorial for years. When the family decides that the memorial has run its course, 
you know, it might change into something else. The Pedor is now the Orange Blossom once again, which, um, you know, is now part of Speed Week. So who knows? Maybe this will be something similar but different next year. So the turnout. I believe they had around 30 cars for practice. And, and you know how the course of a racing weekend goes. Things break, uh, you know, parts fail, drivers have issues, um, crashes, what, what have you. I think they had around 30 or so cars and 27 were on the starting grid to start the race. Originally, when the schedule came out, I think they said they were going to start uh, 26 uh, through qualifying and last chance races. Uh, I, I give the track a shout out for just saying, hey, this is what we have. It's close enough. We'll run qualifying and we'll start them all because that's, that's what they did. They started the 27 cars that qualified. And I think I think that's the right move. Yeah, you could say, all right, we're going to run a last chance race and whoever finishes last is going to go home. Um, but hey, to open it up to, to the field. I, I feel like that is the right call because you're right there on the edge. That, that was a good idea. Just let them race. They're there to support the event. They made it through practice. Their cars are in one piece. Let them race. Um, so 27 cars took the field. I think not the biggest Mon Mini turnout for this event, but a very good, if you can get over 20 Mon Minis right now, it's, uh, you're, you're doing well. Uh, it's a tough division. It's expensive. It doesn't pay out uh, on a regular basis too well, uh, for what it is. So it's definitely a good turnout. Um, trying to remember who was quickest in qualifying off the top of my, it was, um, it was Robbie Yoakum in the eight car, that beautiful number eight car, um, he was fast qualifier, didn't have much luck in the race. Uh, he actually, looking at the results here, he finished in 21st. Um, when I was talking to Jared and Brad Blanton, uh, Jared Zebley and Brad Blanton, before the race, I kind of told him, I'm like, I pretty much am going to predict that this race is going to get, it, it, it'll be easy going early on, and then it'll get crazy at the end. You know, people are going to smell that big, you know, five grand check or however much it paid and just, just start driving over their heads and get crazy. It was almost the opposite of that. The race had a lot of crashes early, a lot of contact, um, a couple of significant incidents, but nothing, like, no big ones, so to speak. A couple of hard hits here and there, a lot of torn-up race cars, but no, like, six, seven, eight, nine, ten car pileups or anything. And, uh, like I said, it just, it kind of got crazy at the beginning and then settled down at the end. The race actually finished on a long run. We were lapping cars and um, but I'll be honest with you, I, this race is pretty much over by lap 10. So here's the story of the race. Um, they, they did have a, a, an invert and, um, one of the drivers up near the front that I thought was going to have a good run was Michael Hine in the 69. You may know him as a late model driver, but he started in the mod minis a few years ago and still runs the mod mini every now and then. Actually, as a matter of fact, a former winner, he won the event in 2021 down at Showtime. So Michael Hine, we knew he was going to be competitive. He was up near the front for a while, but the story of the race was Cody Stickler in the 99. He uh, qualified second and quickly made his way to the front. Uh, with the invert, he did have to work through a little bit of traffic, but it really wasn't that bad. He survived the early rash of cautions, uh, which I think was a good thing because the restarts up near the front, they weren't pushing the issue too bad on the restarts. Things were pretty clean up front. It was most of the middle to back of the pack that was kind of getting caught in the scuffles. But man, I'm telling you, once Cody Stickler got up in the front, by even by lap 10, I was like, okay, he's looking really, really good. But by halfway, I even made a post on my Facebook that said, unless they dump the 99, the Volpius racing car, nobody is going to be able to beat him. That was my prediction at halfway, and sure enough, that's uh, how it played out. Cody Stickler in the 99 
driving for Tim and Ted Volpius, Volpius Motorsports. Actually, the car that is owned by Tony DeGeorge, you may have you may recognize if you're a Citrus and you've been to News Morning, you may have recognized the paint scheme. Um, it was the 32 car with a new number. That's the car that um, we've seen John DeGeorge run. Tony DeGeorge has run it a couple times now. Tony, he lives out of state. He's a, he's over in Texas. John DeGeorge, his dad is a full time odd mini driver over at New Smyrna. Um, and Tony was actually the, the actual like owner of the car. Of course he had Timmy and Ted working on it as the heads of Opius Motorsports that, uh, Tony runs under, uh, but Tony was actually in Iceland. So what a, uh, what a cool thing for him to follow while he was on vacation in Iceland. Uh, he's probably warmer than we were over at Citrus, but, uh, you know, to, to see that car, that's, I mean, that's a good car. It's the old 71 that, that, Ted Volpe has won many, many races and championships with over at New Smyrna. He was the he was the original dominator, if you will. So that car has a history. Um, but it was cool to see Cody Stickler behind the wheel because we we all know Cody's a great modified driver. He's a good late model driver. Um, he is a. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. Uh, I wish I was able to get in touch with him. I, I did reach out for an inter- interview, but uh, weren't able to schedule anything. Um, he is a great hired gun. If you want to put a man behind the wheel of a race car. You know, say what you want about his personality. Um, you know, he might be a little bit of a hothead, which is not a bad thing in a race car driver, but there's plenty of them out there that know how to win races. And I don't mean that uh, negatively at all. Uh, he's a great driver to put behind the wheel of your race car. And Tim and Ted Volpius, you know, in, with Tony DeGeorge's input, I'm sure, you know, they reached out to the right guy. And Cody Stickler put a whooping on the field. I mean, when he got out in front, folks, it was it was game over. It was absolutely game over. And this is the third time out of five races that Volpius Motorsports has won this event. And Cody Stickler becomes the second driver to win from for them. Of course, the first two Sermons Memorials were won by the one and only Wayne Anderson, who drove the 71 car to victory in 2018 and 2019, as a matter of fact. Um, so, uh, again, as always, so great to see Volpius Motorsports doing what they do. And not just at New Smyrna. Yes, New Smyrna is their, their home track. They can dominate that place, but they can go to other places as well. And it proves that if you know how to work on your race car and you know what you're doing, you can go to any track and be just as dominant. I know New Smyrna is, is tough. It's a whole different animal. Um, you can run similar setups to Showtime, to Citrus, to 417, to Auburndale. Yes, I know there's little nuances here and there. Um, so it's easy to take a car and go run those four places. Uh, but to take one from New Smyrna and go to the bull rings and vice versa is is it's tougher. It's tougher. It's not impossible. It's obviously not impossible. We we've seen it, and I know there's many drivers uh, that that can do it. But I mean, what what a performance by Volpe's Motorsports! And you know, before the race started, uh, they did have a quick autograph session or meet the drivers session, and and we went down there, and there was quite a few drivers um, that that we know. From New Smyrna, uh, Dylan Reynolds um, obviously went to see Timmy and Ted Volpius. We we talked to Kenny Ewell, who bought Mike Rudder's car. Um, I want to give a shout out to the Rudder family. Um, uh, someone in the family is not doing too well, so uh, Kenny Ewell actually bought Mike Rudder's car, which has won plenty of times over at New Smyrna. Hopefully, we'll see Kenny uh, run, you know, from time to time at New Smyrna this year. But we did, we did make our way around, uh, talked to Michael Hine for a little bit. You know, wished him good luck. Uh, it's just fun to see that there was at least a spattering of the new Smyrna cars in amongst this group of, of drivers that run these bull rings. So just wanted to, to get that point out there. Um, 
the craziest thing that happened in the race, and, and like I said, the, the race went kind of backwards from what I thought was going to happen. I thought all the crazy wild wrecks and the crashes and the aggression, I thought it was going to be at the end, and it was all at the beginning. Definitely going to have the Richard Cranium moment of the night. We'll give that to the driver of the 44 car, Mike Lawhorn. He got hooked up with car number two of Kevin Harrod. Um, they hooked up on the front straightaway. Mike Lawhorn got the worst of it, really tore up the front of his car. And uh, we got that on-track fireworks that, I'll be honest with you, I expected at some point, but I thought it would come from, like, the leader getting wrecked with five to go or coming to the checkers or something like that. It was a back-of-the-pack car. Mike Lawhorn, yes, I, I understand why he was mad. I went back and looked at the pictures on my phone. That car was torn up, like, really, really badly. But he got out of the car and ran over to the side of the number two car and started kicking the door, and I'm sure there were some really, really nice words exchanged. Uh, I'm sure he had great things to say to Kevin, just like Brian has good things to say to me. Um, but man, um, kicking the car and, and doing things on track like that during an active race, it, man, I don't know if you really quantify it this way, but when you do that stuff after the checkers and all the cars are parked, it's a little bit safer than when, um, you know, you've got 25 other cars zooming around. Those two kind of got into it. Uh, Kevin stayed in his car, but was ultimately DQ'd for his involvement uh, it was really funny though. Mike Lawhorn, I, I don't know him personally, so I'm not hating on Mike Lawhorn. I, I did think it was a pretty silly move, but I guess when your car gets destroyed, um, you, you got to justify it some way or another. So give him benefit of the doubt, but he's a big dude. He is not the kind of guy that you're going to want to mess with. So I'm pretty sure that's why Kevin wanted to stay in his race car. Uh, but it was funny to see the track crew, uh, significantly smaller than Mr. Lawhorn trying to hold him back from the two of, of Kevin. So there were some kicks. There were some angry moments. Um, it was entertaining in the stands, and nobody got hurt. So in hindsight, 2020, um, we can at least look back at it and say it was a wild moment and uh, nothing further than that. But y you knew it was going to happen. And it, to my surprise, it happened earlier in the race than expected. But uh, you know that was the real big crash, the real big moment that stood out to me. A lot of spins, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of contact here and there, but. All in all, it, it was a good race, and the cream did come to the top. And, uh, you know, like I said, Cody Stickler, I could just tell, unless something broke on that car or somebody got into him on a restart or a lap car got him, they weren't going to get around him fair and square. And uh, they certainly did not. There was a little bit of drama, and one of the cautions kind of towards the end with about 15 to go, um, the, the field was brought under red flag to clean up the racetrack. And uh, Cody's car needed to get pushed to get refired. And nine times out of ten in a short track, if you needed assistance getting refired after a red flag, you get your spot back. Uh, but there was that slight bit of drama where you're thinking, oh, man, if that car does not refire, this race is wide open. But the car refired, got a spot back, and went and drove home to take the victory. Um, so Cody Stickler was the man, no doubt about it. Uh, big shout out to uh, to Tim and, and Ted Volpius for bringing a hot rod, an absolute stout machine, untouchable, the dominating car. Um, just a, a great drive there for Cody to pick up the win. Michael Hind, fresh off a second place run during the red eye in the pro late model. Um, Got to get that super late model going a little bit better. I, I think they will. He had Steven Nassi helping him out a couple weeks ago. Um, so I think Michael Hind is a name you're going to hear a lot during speed weeks, but it's cool to see him back to his roots. That sounds funny to say. He's only been around a couple of years racing. Um, 
but cool to see him supporting the the Sermons uh, Memorial race in the 69 car. Finished second. Tom Zimmerman, always a threat. I was looking at some of the results from uh, from these races in the past, and his name's always up near the front. Beautiful race car, did a great job. Uh, he was up in the mix the whole night in the top five, and he finishes third. Ronald Larson in the 58 was fourth. Jesse Henley, that was a cool name to see behind the wheel of a mod mini. Um, you're probably familiar him with the uh, number three sportsman car, but Jesse Henley rounding out the top five in the 1X. Kenneth Nurse, who we saw at New Smyrna during Governor's Cup with the Modified, having a top three run. He was sixth. A New Smyrna semi-regular, Dylan Reynolds, was seventh. Uh, Colton Bettis in the 61, he was eighth. Matthew Camp, ninth in... Um, man, I'm going to I'm gonna mess this name up. Uh, Tim... Uh, the 25 car of Tim Scaly? Scalyle? Something like that. He was 10th. Uh, uh, I apologize for butchering that. I'm unfamiliar with him. Uh, Roy Hosmer, 11th, 12th, was Brandon Brendel. Mark Thomas, 13th. Chris Thompson driving the 05 for sermons. He was 14th. And Clint Foley, um, he's a driver normally up near the front that, that you'd expect to have a better night. He got caught up with Garrett Larson. And that was one of the moments I kind of overlooked until getting to this point that I do want to touch on. Those two, Foley, who if you're familiar with my mini racing, you'll you'll recognize that as a big name along with the Larsons. Um, they got into it on a restart. They got hooked up on the back straightaway and went for a grinding crash. I think that's what brought out, yeah, that is what brought out the red flag where ultimately uh, Cody Stickler needed a little bit of help to get rolling. And um, so a wild moment there. I, I, from what I understand, from what Brad Blanton told me the next day, he went back and watched the video and he said, you know, there was some stuff going on maybe between the Larsons and Foley because there was a couple Larsons out there. And Brad goes, yep, they just got out and just kind of like, yep, that's racing. And you know what, guys? That's such a good point. Racing's going to happen. You're going to tear up your stuff eventually. Somebody's going to get into you. Eventually, you're going to go to the, for the same piece of real estate as somebody else. It's nice when when – it's never nice to have a wreck, okay? Let me just clarify. But it, it's nice when you can have a wreck – Two really good drivers up near the front of the biggest paying race of the year for the Mod Minis, and they can just get out and be like, well, that sucks. See you next time. You know, not have to go at each other's throats. I'm sure they weren't happy. You're never happy when you wreck. You know, we could be your best friend. You're never going to get out of the car and go, oh, that was fun. But, you know, nice that that didn't erupt into something bigger because Brad Blanton said it uh, while we were in the stands just a couple laps prior. He's like, well, you watch those two. They might get into it. And sure enough, on the restart, down the back straightaway, there they went. So that was a big moment, big moment. Um, and a, t- a tough finish for Clinton Garrett there. Uh, the pole sitter, Robbie Yoakum, finished 21st. He had a, a tough night. Dean Buttram in the 32. He finished 24th, uh, second to last car to actually finish the race. So some bigger names down through the field that didn't have the best of nights. But when you have a stout field, I'm going to tell you, this was a stout field. There was only, you know, maybe two or three cars that were significantly off the pace. Um, so really good field. This is the best of the best for the Mod Minis. So Cody Stickler and, and Volpius Motorsports on top in this one and uh, it was definitely a good show um looking back at previous rick sermons memorials uh and again to my understanding this is the fifth and final it makes sense zero five um five races now in the books wayne anderson winning the first two in 2018 2019 uh 2020 eric uh kucha kucha and I, I some of you guys are gonna listen to this and be like this guy what what the hell uh, Eric was the winner in 2020. Michael Hind was your winner in 2021. And then Cody Stickler uh, winning in 2022. So Volpius Motorsports bookending the Rick Sermon's Memorial Races, winning the first two and the final one here just uh, a couple days ago. So congratulations again to Cody Stickler and Volpius Motorsports. Great race. So glad to be a part of it. And um, 
picked up a, a ton of followers from from being out there too. So I appreciate everybody who does uh, who did like the page. Thanks to uh, I, I know Tony Modica, the announcer, the other announcer over at uh, Citrus Speedway. He shared uh, the victory lane photo that I went down and grabbed. Um, appreciate everybody who's liked the page. And I'm sorry that this is coming out a little bit later, but man. I'm telling you guys, trying to keep up with I'm doing all the Speed Weeks posts for New Smyrna. There's so many entries. I'm so behind. I got people like, hey, I haven't seen my post yet. I'm working through a backlog. I'm trying to get up five a day, trying to, you know, keep up with every all the other news coming out for Speed Weeks, trying to also work my full-time job and, um, you know, at least uh, get my family to know that I still exist. So um, I apologize for this. I wanted to have this out a couple days ago and it just, it didn't happen. So appreciate your patience there. I want to thank all the new, we gained so many new followers on the Facebook page. I can't even thank you guys enough. And by the way, the last episode with Ricky Brooks, our highest listened to episode ever. We almost broke 10,000 downloads. Very, very close. The last two episodes over 9,000. So again, I can't thank you guys enough for the support. Uh, before we move on to the second uh, part of the podcast here, I do want to give some shout outs to the other divisions that ran. Uh, the Bandoleros were in action. Uh, Jacob Bradley was your winner there in the, let's see, in the Legends cars. Great feel of Legends cars Saturday night. 20 of them were there. And TJ DeCare, I mean, no surprise there. When I saw TJ was there, I'm like, oh, he's going to win this thing. And sure enough, he did. Uh, TJ DeCare, son of Troy DeCare, who you may know from the sprint car ranks, uh, always a top driver in the sprint cars. Better keep your eye on TJ DeCare. He's coming up through the ranks, and he is going to be good. Moving on to the Ford Outlaws, Thomas Pete in the six car was your winner there over Dustin Aaron, Jonathan Wallace, Kevin Veltman, and Chucky Hearn. So some interesting names. And uh, like I said, just 15, maybe half the field I expected um, took the green flag. I'm sure that will build as the season goes. Um, let's see, Pure Stocks, good turnout there. Looks like there was, yes, there were 17 of them. There was three disqualifications, and I do not know the story here. Um, according to, um, according to the source that I got this information from, um, the 98 of Bubba Martone and the 5X of Cody Benoit were DQ'd for on-track unsportsmanlike conduct, and then the 51 of Carlin Ray was DQ'd in the pits after the race for unsportsmanlike conduct. So, I'm not sure the full story there, but some DQs nonetheless, but it was Zach Briggs, the Armandale Speedway champion, who took the win in the 38 car. Uh, Sport Wilson second, Cleve Lewis third, James Johnson fourth, and Aaron Welter, your top five there. I remember uh, debriefing with Austin after the event. He said, man, the Auburndale cars came and put a whooping on our guys, and uh, I'm sure that will all level out as this this tire deal sorts itself out. I know um, Citrus over on American Racers now, and they may have had an open tire rule this week, so uh, that'll be interesting to follow, but all in all, a great night over at Citrus County Speedway. Great uh, send-off for the Rick Sermons Memorial. Definitely a very exciting race. And great to see so many mod minis out there putting on a show because they definitely put on a race worthy of being the marquee event of the night. So just want to get that out there one last time. Um, so moving on, I, I want to hit on uh, I want to hit on some some NASCAR stuff. We have the clash coming up in just a couple weeks. And it's coming quick. Normally, the clashes run at Daytona as part of Speed Weeks. They killed it when they went to the road course. They absolutely butchered it. Uh, Nobody came to the one last year, even though it was a decent enough race. But you can't see 
the you just you can't see that much at the road course and it's just not going to be i know they they moved it to the road course to limit the big wrecks because that's all they did they went out and wrecked uh the the, the clash or the bud shootout it used to be you come out there with you know 12 15 cars and they raced well together go watch the the late 90s early 2000s shootouts they were great racing and then it just turned into a glorified test session for the 500 which isn't a bad thing race you learn the most in race conditions after all but then it just went from that to just a wreck fest and so i understand the change the owners probably got sick of flying down flying and uh, driving down a whole extra car just for it to get torn up so i i get the the change but the road course clash just wasn't it wasn't the answer it really wasn't it wasn't anything i was excited for i honestly I haven't watched the last couple shootouts uh, or clashes, whatever the hell you want to call them anyway, because I'm working at Speed Weeks. But um, it just wasn't something that got me excited like the Oval shootout used to do. But, you know, there's a big change now. We're ushering in the new generation of car, and now we're going to usher in a brand new venue, a brand new event, a converted venue. And it's controversial. Of course, anything NASCAR does, anything anybody does in the social media day and age is going to be controversial. And that's fine. Everybody has an opinion. Um, I've been wavering on my opinion and I, I, I think I'm starting to maybe go to the dark side here. Uh, so the clash at the LA Coliseum coming up February 6th, that is a Sunday afternoon. I love the format. I absolutely love the format. It sounds like there's going to be 36 cars there. All the chartered cars are going to be out there. They're going to run four heat races and qualify the top five, I believe. So that'll give you 20 locked in from the heat. And then they're going to have a last chance qualifier, which I, I believe it, it says it's two races. But from what I gather, it'll be, you know, you'll do one race, the winner will move on, and then they'll reset the field, they'll throw a caution, whatever, and do the second race. And whoever wins that one will transfer, kind of like they do with the All Star Open over at, uh, well, Texas now. Um, I thought it was going to be like two LCQs, kind of split them up, but I, I guess it's going to be one race with you know, one set, one field with, with two separate races in one, and they're going to get the next two. And then the highest driver in points from last year or the highest car owner points who's not already qualified will move on. So the only driver locked in going down in there is Kyle Larson because he's the champion. So he'll be in, you know, if he gets wrecked and the car can't compete, which is a very big possibility, um, you know, that'd be the only thing that would set him out. But Larson's about the only guy going to California with a, a, an actual guaranteed spot in the race. So he just needs to play it cool and get a car that'll run. He'll be in. So I love the fact that nobody's really safe. You know, uh, Brad Keselowski in the sixth car. If he doesn't have a good day in qualifying or in the heat race, then he could be out. Danny Hamlin could be out. Bubba Wallace might not qualify for the main event. I love it. I absolutely love that. It's going to add a lot of drama uh, it's really going to add that short track flair, which I know everybody listening to this podcast really loves. Um, I don't know if Florida really likes the whole heat race qualifying, dwindle the field down thing as much as I do. I, I mean, that's coming from up north. That's what I watched every weekend was, you know, 35 late models or uh, sportsman type cars dwindled down to a starting field of 24. It made the heat races some of the most exciting stuff of the night. So, that's what I'm really looking forward to with the Clash. Love the format. It's going to be interesting to see how all that goes. Of course, this will be the first actual race with the new car. And I feel a little bit bad for these teams with the supply chain issues. And, you know, they might not have their full fleet of cars yet. 
And some drivers and some teams are going to leave the Coliseum, not starting the main event with wrecked race cars. And a lot of drivers are going to go from the main event to the garage with wrecked race cars. So this is really going to be the first big test on the, the new bolt-on chassis. You know, the bolt-on clips. If, if you ruin a front clip, you can bolt on a new one. So, I mean, this is going to be it, – it's, it's good and bad because, yes, we're going to have wrecked race cars, but it's going to give these teams the opportunity – to really see just how um, this new car is going to perform. Like, can you have a wreck in practice the day before the race and fix it up and go racing like they say you're going to be able to do? Austin Dillon has kind of worked through this. He wrecked in in Charlotte practice or in Charlotte testing, bolted on a new front end, came back the next day. So I guess we already maybe know the answer, but we're going to really see what's going to happen here. So... Yes, the teams are going to be put on edge a little bit, but man, I I think you can go to a place like the Coliseum and get in a wreck that might put you out, and it's not going to be as bad as a wreck that would put you out at Daytona, if you understand what I'm saying. So, yes, some guys are going to get torn up, but it may not be as bad as you know a big seven, eight, nine, ten car big one over at Daytona. So, uh, of course, we're going to see that in the 500. So it's inevitable; it's going to happen. But I think starting. Uh, on a quarter-mile bull ring where, yes, there's going to be pushing and shoving. And, yes, it's going to be more of a spectacle than a race. I don't think this will give us a true indication of how this new car is going to race. We'll, we'll, we'll reserve that to the first, you know, mile, mile and a half race. So my tune on this new car, it may change going forward. But I, I believe there's reason to be optimistic. I was worried about the Daytona 500. I love the drafting races, Daytona Talladega. I love that style of racing. I love the close pack races the ability to pass for the lead, um, the runs that you get, the close racing, the edge-of-your-seat type stuff that you typically don't get at some of the mile-and-a-half, two-mile tracks where you just kind of sit around, you have it on, you're doing other things, you're waiting for something to happen, whereas Daytona Talladega, you're on the edge of your seat. So I was worried that maybe the racing would be compromised this year. After watching the test at Daytona and the um, – the mock race session that they did, the, the mock drafting session, I should say, I'm very optimistic. I There wasn't a whole lot of like three wide racing. I believe the drivers were definitely taking it easy, but you could see that the drivers could make moves, especially those like Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch that are very good at this style of racing. They were able to mix it up and there were some wild moments. Joey Logano kind of got mixed up and almost started a wreck, but they didn't. So you can tell that you can drive these cars um, the draft looked good. You had two solid lanes kind of side by side. Um, you had drivers making passes, falling to the back and being able to come back up through the field. That's what you want to see. You want to see that shuffling, that unpredictability. Um, maybe some of you don't and that's fine, but that's what I like. Um, so I think we're going to have that. Will it be maybe the most spectacular Daytona 500? I don't know if if the supply chain isn't fully there yet. Maybe some people do take it easier. Maybe in the back of their mind, they don't, you know, go balls to the wall like they had the last few 500s where like eight cars finish. I, it may be a cleaner race. I was worried it'd be like 2013 with the Gen 6 car. I think it'll be way better than that. Um, I think it'll be, you know, better than the, the 2015, 2016 500s. It may not be the you know, it may not be an instant classic, but I think we're going to be in for a good show. So I'm not too worried there. Um, as far as the clash, very polarizing opinions from what I see online, not necessarily from you guys, the listeners. Um, I'm sure some of you don't like it. I will tell you this. I, I'm all for the format that I talked about. Um, I'm all for 
the change up of the venue. Daytona, uh, you know, exhibition opener, it's run its course. I, I, if they came back to Daytona, I wouldn't be upset because I do love racing at Daytona. But I think it's cool that we're trying something new. I, I've seen the complaints, well, why not just go to Bowman Gray? You have Bowman Gray Stadium. I, I, I think the idea... I know the idea is to go to a new market and attract new fans and try to get new people to the sport. That's a good thing, but it's also bad because a lot of the changes recently have ostracized some of the longtime fans, and you still need that core of long-term fans. And I know some of them are just frustrated, and maybe that's why some of you listening are like, oh my God, enough with the NASCAR BS, I'm over it. NASCAR needs to do what they can to retain the root fans. We must not forget the root fans. But they also need to bring in that younger new generation, which, to be honest with you, and, and I'm including myself here, um, we're not going to think like the new fans. They're going to, their first impression, which is going to be the class, if, if they see sparks and crazy racing, that might hook them. Whereas, you know, we're already race fans, whether we still watch NASCAR or not. We're race fans. We want to try to get a new set of race fans in. Now, I'm not wild on all the musical stuff. Like, I don't give a crap about the pre-race Pitbull concert. And it's not because I don't like Pitbull. I'm just not uh, – nothing to do with, with Pitbull the man. It's I'm not a fan of his music, so I'm not interested in listening to his concert. Uh, I, for his type of music, he's a very good performer and artist, so he has a following and, and – Maybe that brings people in, and that that's fantastic. But hey, I'm just not going to tune in for that portion of it. I'll I'll go cook something and and get food ready for the race. I'm interested in the race and not the extra entertainment factor. Apparently, there's going to be a halftime concert. So after segment two of the race, they're going to have a another concert, which is fine if they're going to have a break. Anyways, at least there's something for you to watch, but it's just like the Super Bowl halftime show. I haven't been interested in a Super Bowl halftime show since Tom Petty. Uh, so that is when I, that's what, that's what, I'll be honest with you. Okay. Maybe this is TMI. That's when I go to the bathroom. Okay. And, and get rid of all the Super Bowl food. Okay. So this is going to be my halftime break. I'm just, you know, it, I'm going to leave the TV on. I'm not going to like turn the TV off. I can't even remember who's performing in the halftime show. I just don't, I don't even care. Honestly, the type of music I like, Whatever general pop, rap, uh, country music they put in there, I'm not going to care about. That's not the kind of music I like. So I'm not the target audience here, okay? But I'm not against what they're doing. I just, I'm there for the race. So that part of the show is not going to interest me. But maybe some of the people going to the Coliseum, that's what's getting them there. And then they're going to see a race and then they'll watch maybe the Daytona 500. And if the Daytona 500 is good, then they'll watch the next one. If the racing is good in the next race over at Phoenix or wherever the hell they go next, then maybe we'll get a fan out of it and, and keep this going. Because while NASCAR may not be the same as it was when when I was a child or when you were a big NASCAR fan, we'll st- we still need fans. We don't want NASCAR to go away, do we? Maybe some people do because you hate it that much, and that's fine, but it, we don't want it to go away. We want there to be that ultimate goal that some of these drivers that we're watching at our short tracks are aiming for. You know, if if there's no high goal, if there's no peak of the mountain, then, you know, what What are some of these big late model races? What What's the draw? For me, it's it's seeing some of these young kids and, and some of these veterans come through that might one day be on TV in NASCAR. Like, the fact that I've talked to so many of these up-and-coming drivers that are working their way through the ranks now, it's cool to me. 
So I, I'm glad that I'm seeing them in NASCAR now. So I want NASCAR to be successful. Uh, I, I feel like they need to pander to both to both the old generation and the new upcoming generation. So yes, there's going to be, you know, this goofy halftime music. There's going to be some DJ playing music during caution breaks, which hopefully that's more for the spectators and not so much the TV. If they got to interrupt, you know, the broadcast with, with Tony Stewart and Clint Boyer and Mike Joy, every time there's a caution, so we have to listen to some DJ, that's going to get annoying. But if it's like when you're at a football game, and there's a TV timeout, and they play music over the PA, or like when you're at the races, and there's a long caution, and the announcer puts on music, that's fine. But I don't need it on the TV. They can put the the Pitbull concert on TV, they can put the halftime thing on TV, but I don't need the caution breaks. Uh, Please, do your commercials then so we don't miss the racing. So, I'm okay with what they're trying. Over at, I would have loved to see NASCAR at Bowman Gray. What a hit, what a, man, what a hit literally it might be. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but I, I'm glad that they're they're trying to branch out. They're they're trying to keep interest or trying to gain new interest. So we have to be understanding of that. I so many people were like, oh, this should be at New Smyrna during Speed Weeks. Yeah, yeah, that'd be something. But I, I'm I'm okay with them going to this this Coliseum. Yes, the the teams are gonna have to spend money to get out there. Yes, NASCAR had to spend a lot more money to build this facility in the Coliseum for them to race on. So yes, is it the most cost-effective thing? Maybe not right this moment, but long-term. It's a long-term deal. So hopefully it works out for them. And hopefully we get some new fans out of it. And hopefully this halftime concert thing isn't a, hey, if it's a one-time-a-year thing for for, for this these exhibition races, then you know what? That's cool. But I don't want NASCAR racing to become a concert with a race around it. I, I don't want that. I, I I like the, you know, after. I, I like the, you know, there's going to be a musical performer afterwards sort of deal for those that are hanging out, not wanting to go fight traffic. I'd, I'd rather listen to somebody play live music, whatever kind of live music it is, whether I it's my favorite genre or not, while I'm waiting to get out of somewhere than before or during. That's, that's, that's where I think. As far as the race goes, though, very excited for it. Very excited to see the new car in action. Um... Some of the things that kind of bug me on the car is it's not exactly stock looking. Whereas the Gen 6 car, the idea of that was to be more like the showroom cars. I get there's a lot of different technical advances on this car that are supposed to help with cost and supposed to help with racing. I'm all for that. But the side of the car, those, you know, those things on the side where the air comes out, those look weird. The hood vents look weird. Um, the rear diffuser I, I, looks weird. I mean, I'm not going to go to a car dealership and order a order, buy a Toyota Camry with a rear, rear diffuser. Um, you know, it's kind of weird. Uh, but I'm trying. And, and the new wheels, yes, the new wheels. The they're they're 18 inch t- uh, wheels now. The tires are skinnier. It's different. It's going to be different, but it's not going to make me not watch. I I. At first, when I first saw them, I'm like, man, the back of these cars, they're kind of scrunchy and around, and they look different. They've they've grown on me. The The aesthetic look has grown on me. I'm going to be okay with being able to watch these things. The number placement, some teams do it better than others. It's not a deal killer for me. I wish NASCAR, everything's electronic scoring now, so the actual number placement doesn't matter for scoring purposes, so to speak, anymore. I wish NASCAR was just like, hey, you can put the number anywhere between 
the front or rear tires. If you want to put it up near the front fender, by all means, go for it. If you want to put it near the rear of the car because that works better with your sponsor and paint scheme, then put it there. If you want to put it smack dab in the middle because that's what you want to do, then do it. I don't understand why the numbers have to be uniform. Like an unsponsored car with the number pushed all the way to the front up near the front tire is going to look goofy because you got all this space. Just put it in the middle. Let the unsponsored guys put it in the middle or put it in the back. That's, you know, you, you go to your local short track and you'll see cars with number placements everywhere on the front, on the back, even on the rear quarter panel behind the tire. I mean, if that's what works best for the team and or the sponsor, because some of these things are just going to look forced and that's going to be, that's when your eye is going to twitch. As far as the teams that, you know, have it done up right, like Ricky Stenhouse's Slim Jim car looked good. That looked good with the big Slim Jim logo. Chase Elliott's new car that just got revealed, the Hooters car, looks great. So they can make it look good. I just wish they, I like choice. So I wish they just let them, let them choose. So anyways, that's enough rambling there. That's, those are just my thoughts, but, um, I will be giving my full thoughts and opinions race by race on the new car. I'm going to be talking more NASCAR as the season goes. I'm not, we're not going to have whole episodes on NASCAR unless there's, you know, a washout or whatever. Um, but I, I will talk about it. I will give my opinion. I'm hoping that this new car, even though it looks different, there may be some things we don't necessarily like aesthetically about it, but man, if it goes out and puts on good racing, then, you know, I think we'll all be happy because for years, the cars, you know, the numbers were where we wanted them. The cars looked decent. Well, the old cot was ugly, but um, we complained about the racing and what the car looked like. So as long as we get good racing, then I, then I think we'll be, I think we can all agree that we'll be okay with it. The clash coming up on the six, super excited for it. Going to love the qualifying and I love to see who actually makes the main event. There's going to be some big names on the outside looking in, I think. And uh, that is going to be intriguing. The heat races, the LCQs, that might be the best part of the night, but you bet your ass coming down turn number four on the final lap, there's going to be contact and somebody's going to be mad at somebody going into the Daytona 500. And I can't wait to see how it all plays out. So we'll cover that. We'll talk about that. Um, uh, on the, the show after the clash and then we'll get ready for speed week. So I'm just kind of looking at the calendar here. Um, not going to do a whole speed week show. It's still too early. Speed weeks begins or world series begins Friday, the 11th. So next week's show, I've got something fun planned for next week. Cause there's no racing. Um, the weather, it's supposed to be really, really cold. Florida has been frostbitten. And so the races pretty much everywhere is canceled. That was planning to race. So we're not going to be live anywhere. Plus, um, we had some family things going on this weekend that weren't going to allow us to be at the racetrack anyway. Some very important things for maybe uh, my little buddy Dawson's racing career. So we weren't going to be anywhere anyway, so I'm not upset that the race was being canceled. It does kind of stink. Uh, a lot of preparation has been made for that Frostbite 200 Sportsman race. Uh, I know Ronnie Bastello is probably beside himself right now. Um, but man, it, it does stink to see races being canceled for too cold, but I get it. Tracks cannot lose their ass. They, they don't just put on races to lose their ass. So, uh, I, I get it. Definitely disappointing. So no real short track racing here to talk about. Maybe I'll try to tune into speed fest over at, uh, Cordial and give you guys some updates on that next week, but I have something fun planned for next week. So we will be back with a show at some point and then we'll have the clash on the sixth. And so we'll cover that on the following week, we'll cover the clash and then I'll do my full speed weeks world series preview. Cause we, uh, the entry lists are starting to build up pretty good. And we, I just got confirmation. 
um, not that long ago that Ryan Priest is coming to the World Series, but it's not like it's not what you think. So we'll talk about all that and more coming up in a couple of weeks. I want to thank everybody for listening, uh, for supporting the show. Um, thanks to everybody that has sponsored the show. Of course, sponsorship is still available. I'm working on a new sponsorship as we speak now. But if you'd like to become a partner of the show, just $5 an episode, I'm not going to charge an arm and a leg to be on this show. It just kind of goes into uh, to help keep things running. I have a feeling I'm going to need a new amplifier here pretty soon so that I can continue to record because it is giving me fits. I need a new guitar so I can make you some new intro music. Um, so every little bit helps. If you'd like to become a partner on the show, I mean, we're averaging over the last two months at least 8,000 downloads per show. So... Um, and some of that might just be people clicking on it saying, oh, not this guy. I'm not listening to this idiot. And some of it might be like, hey, I like what this guy has to say. And uh, some of you may be somewhere in between, but I appreciate it. Thank you all. Make sure you go like the Facebook page because when I get out to a racetrack, I'm going to try to do like what I did for the sermons race and kind of cover key points of the event. Throw some pictures up there, let y'all know what we're going to talk about. But thanks for listening. This is the Racing with Ryan podcast. I appreciate y'all so much. Can't wait to see everybody at the racetrack. We're through January now, rolling into February, and that's when, to me, the real season starts and never ends until November. So I can't wait. We're we're getting close. Buckle in. We're in for a ride. Going to be a great year here in 2022. We're going to make the best out of it one way or another. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Talk to you next week.